Good morning, good afternoon, how you doing out there today? This is David Robert for the Marketplace of Ideas podcast. I hope you're having a wonderful Sunday. It is July the 9th, if I'm not mistaken, 2023. Hope you are enjoying yourself and just living your best and most wholesome life. Uh, Before we get started, I just want to let you know that you can find the Marketplace of Ideas podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm talking Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, you name it, we are there. Wherever you get your podcasts, we are rocking and rolling, living it up, so to speak. That's what the kids are saying. I don't know if the kids are saying that, but um, yeah, thanks for tuning in. If you are listening, if nobody is listening, I want to thank Phoenix, my cat, for listening. Oh, she just left, so I guess it's just me. Um, But today I wanted to talk about something kind of a little bit interesting that we've been seeing in the news in the last little bit, and I just want to kind of touch on it a little bit. And as you go through life, you will encounter situations and issues where people are, what's the best way I could describe this? They get fed up right? You have too much of a good thing and you, you kind of overdo it. You know, it might be a new relationship. It might be you are a car person. And so you fall in love with racing cars or it could be horses. It could be anything that tickles your fancy. If you want your fancy to be tickled, Um, anything that you could think of that isn't work or part of your responsibilities as a parent or worker or business owner, whatever the case might be, we all have things that take away, take us from the things that we kind of want to do. And those are the things we have to do. And so you might have fallen into the trap of too much, too much video games, or maybe you're, you're an IPA beer enthusiast and you just fell down that rabbit hole of uh, finding where the best beers are brewed and you want to become a brew master or a wine master, any, any of those things. So too much of a good thing could, uh, could hurt you, could kill you. Too much sleep, you know, uh, too much salt, too much sugar, too much sex, too much drugs, too much alcohol, too much arguing, too much, too little arguing. Um, you can, you can find yourself in a space where you're not, you're not able to, um, to regulate, you know, to have a good balance. And so as we kind of move through the pop culture zeitgeist, it's kind of funny to see how the thing that was once the cash cow, that was once this immensely popular genre of films is now kind of getting lambasted and having its day in court, if you would. You know, the chickens have come home to roost. People aren't loving what they used to, uh, that old, like B.B. King said, you know, the, the, that love and feeling is gone. And I'm talking about the superhero slash movie universes of DC, Marvel, Dark Horse, Image, you name it, any IP, international, I'm sorry, intellectual property you could think of that has, you know, ever dawned on some capes and a tight and tights and flown and fought supervillains is kind of fallen out of favor within the pop culture zeitgeist, if you would. There's a lot of people that, you know, just 10 plus years ago were in love with this genre. Everything from 
the first Iron Man for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then, heck, even let's go back further to, you know, Superman back in the 80s and Batman in 89 and The Crow in the 90s, Spawn, um, Meteor Man, you know, if you remember that, The Mantis on television, Smallville, uh, Clark Kent, and the DC Universe's sort of interpretation of what it was like for Superman to grow up in Smallville, in Kansas. And to see the interpretation of Arrow in the Arrowverse and Supergirl and The Flash, which just finished its ninth season. To see all of those characters um, from oh, Heroes of Future Past, if I'm not if I'm saying that right, or Legends of Legends of Tomorrow. I'm sorry. You know, DC and Marvel have been. I mean, they've been just lambasting, giving it to people left, right, and center for the last. 10, almost, close to almost 15 years, you know, it's been pretty crazy, they've had over 32 films, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, not counting the TV shows and shorts and, and uh, streaming stuff on the Disney Plus platform, various offerings there, and so, it's been a lot, it's been a lot, and over the last couple of months, heck, actually last few years, we've seen a lot of the properties that have come forth not do so well. I remember Bloodsport with Vin, Ray, uh, Vin Diesel back in the start of the pandemic. They released that in theaters and it just did not do well, obviously because of the pandemic. But then you had other offerings like um, uh, Black Widow that went a day and date for streaming as well as theaters. So a lot of money was left on the table there. Scarlett Johansson subsequently sued Disney. Um, the mouse had to back up the truck and give her, give her her cash of all the residuals that she was promised. And right now you have a writer's strike going on in Hollywood where various writers are saying that the formula for creating films and television is just not sustainable. And it's almost impossible to make a decent living. Many of, many of the people who you know, in the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s are seeing that they just they just can't do it. It's not possible. And when studios are making, you know, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars on a property that you had a part in, you know, you can't just not share the wealth. You know, you got to help. People have to, um, people have to come together. And so what we're going to be talking about today is just kind of how the superhero genre, as, as far as movie goes, as far as movies uh, go, sorry, are falling somewhat out of favor, but then you have the Spider-Verse doing gangbusters, and I don't know if anybody uses the word gangbusters, but it's a, it's a, it's a good property that's doing really, really well. People are loving it. Whereas you have uh, a certain amount of films that we're going to list off here that are not, they are not doing too well. And so... I just wanted to read a bit of an article here that I, I saw that I thought we'd kind of start with and then we kind of go from there. So let me just see here. Let me look it up. Okay. So, let me see, where was it? Was it Screen Crush or was it the 10 biggest Marvel and DC movie box office bombs of all time? Uh, we'll stay on topic of kind of the modern day stuff. So Unilad, which is a website here online, <clears throat> they had an article that was written just oh, on the 10th of July. So today, 
actually. Uh, the night, oh, for the 10th. Oh, I'm sorry. It's to be, it's, yeah, but anyways, uh, nonetheless, we're going to take a look at it here. So it says here, The Flash has become the biggest superhero box office failure. This was written by Valentine, Valentina uh, Bolter. Uh, this is published, so this will be publishing uh, tomorrow. But uh, let's see here. So it says, DC's newest superhero film, The Flash, hasn't sparked an interest with audience, leading it to claim the title of the worst performing superhero movie of all time. As of this printing, the film has amassed $261 million at the box office since, op- since premiering on June 15th. Now, you would think that that would be a, a, an amazing amount of money if, let's say, they spent $25 million. But they didn't. Uh, over the past few weeks, while films like Sony's in- Insidious, The Red Door, opened with $31 million domestically, The Flash managed to make $5 million across 78 countries. The Flash, directed by Andy Muschietti, cost Warner Brothers around $450 million to make, with a $200 million, million budget in addition to marketing and advertising costs. This means at this stage, Warner Brothers is expected to lose around $200 million for the movie. This is the largest amount a superhero movie has ever lost, um, lost its studio company. To make matters worse for DC and Warner Brothers, The Flash was overtaken, has overtaken their previous film, Shazam! Fury of the Gods, for the not-so-coveted title. The past three DC film movies have all been box office bombs with The Flash losing an estimated $200 million, Shazam 2 losing Warner Brothers around $150 mil, and even the, the lovable and delightful Dwayne The Rock Johnson couldn't solve the problem with Black Adam, leaving the studio an additional $100 million in debt. The failure of the movie has been put down to a variety of factors such as Ezra Miller's controversies and allegations, the relative unknowingness of the Flash character, and the current state of the DCU. In the, in the lead-up to the film, Miller was arrested twice and faced multiple legal charges, including second, second-hand assault and disorderly driving. Uh, that's Ezra Miller. Uh, the film only managed to gross $55 million on opening weekend. While the actor apologized in a statement last year, there have been many calls for boycotting the movie across social media. DC is expected to release two more superhero movies by the end of the year, with Blue Beetle coming out in August and, and Aquaman and The Lost Kingdom due in December. Here's hoping for DC fans that these films are more blockbusters than they are lackluster. So, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? I mean, we're looking at a genre that has been the media darling for the last couple of years. I mean, we're talking from Spider-Man, the first, um, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, uh, the Sam Raimi film back in, tw- in the early 2000s, I think 2000 or 2001. Then you have the Spider-Man 2 and 3, and even though 3 was a bit of a cluster F and a burrito of sadness, it still, you know, wasn't bad. I mean, it was horrible, but it wasn't god-awful. And then you have, you know, films like Blade that come out in the 90s and then, you know, make a little bit of a resurgence in the 2000s. You have Batman Begins. You have the Christian Bale Batman film by Nolan Ryan and how, how amazingly done that was. And... And so you've get you get this feeling that there's just this level of fatigue and tiredness and weariness when it comes to so much of this genre. Cuz a lot of it if you really want to be, you know, honest about it, there's so much of it is based on characters and plot lines and stories that have been around since the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s and and onward and we have characters that en- encompass a whole you know, um, swath 
of society, from Canadians to gay characters to, you know, uh, Martians to billion-dollar playboys who dress up like a bat and fight crime in, in the night, uh, a manacled, you know, clown that kills people and the punchlines are deadly, you know, or... Or, um, or Jack Kirby's, you know, um, rendition of the New Gods with, that he put forth in D.C. back in the, I believe it was the 60s or the 70s. You got characters like Doctor Strange and Mr. Miracle and the Green Arrow and Black Canary and this, this whole glut of characters from Thor to, you know, Iron Man to, to Spider-Man. It's, it's a lot to take in. And I think one of the great things that was done early on was that it was kind of uh, everyone... One come one come all. It was like a buffet where you didn't really necessarily need to know the characters beforehand. You didn't have to have like deep knowledge about the difference between Thor of uh, Asgard and Beta Ray Bill. You didn't need to understand why Bizarro Superman was different from regular Clark Kent Superman or understand how important it was to have black representation with Cyborg in the 70s in the DC Comics and how Neil Adams, God rest his soul, one of the one of the most amazing comic book force uh, forces for comic book writers and publishers, uh, specifically writers and illustrators in the 80s where he, they introduced drug use. Um, Green Arrow had a, had kind of a, a, a sidekick or a ward if you would, named Speedy and Speedy was addicted to crack. And they showed it on the cover when Green Arrow and Green Lantern were kind of doing the social justice thing, you know, because in the 80s there was a lot of Reaganomics going on and that was reflected in the comic book. So you have real life social events happening. You have the Falcon being called the Oreo Wonder because he's trying to play both sides of regulating what's going on in the hood, regulating what's going on in various neighborhoods. Uh, with black and brown individuals and still trying to cross over to a corporate side of things to get infrastructure and money put into the into the ghettos and whatnot and people calling them out for that and seeing that representation of what happens with um, art and commerce where you know society bleeds into it we're not we don't we don't create in a bubble and don't get me wrong i think it's wonderful to have like um situations where you are creating where there's not a lot of agenda there's not a lot of social justice as it were but if you are a black hispanic puerto rican mexican east indian woman whatever or male or non-binary or lgbtq plus member in this space and you see your real world is attacking you you see that Legislation is being passed to stop you from marrying who you want to marry, to stop you from getting health care, from stop you from getting the proper um, rights to protect your house and your dwelling. And if your spouse passes away, you don't have the rights to make decisions on their behalf because certain states don't want you to do that. And if you see people still portraying um, anti-Semitism and racism against your people or no one is talking about how indigenous women are being killed at a higher rate in places like Winnipeg and all of these things going on in the world, it has to touch you a certain way. We can't just sit back and do nothing. And granted, you don't want to put, as um, one of the gentlemen I listened to, Robert Meyer Burnett, who says you never put your story, your, your agenda in front of your story. You interweave it into it and then 
see what can happen. So for myself, it's like you see all of this and you see various movies get now accused of being, I won't even use the term, but the W term, if you can look it up, um, W-O-K-E. I, I won't even say it because it just sounds mentally horrible and it hurts your brain. But people are using this term called wokeism. Ugh, it feels like vomit coming out of your throat. But they'll use this term as a catch-all to, to state, well, if people are trying to speak up against truth to power, they're speaking truth to power, they're saying that certain things are wrong, that there are systemic issues within uh, medicine and healthcare and education, and we need to kind of change those things. And the powers that be, who are in power, don't want that to change because it's enriching them and making their lives comfortable. And, and when it comes off in a very preachy kind of way, it almost feels like it's corny. It's like you don't really want change, you just want to say something. And it can get very contentious. And so you see movies like The Little Mermaid that came out recently where there was a race swap with Ariel and the film just got berated in the press. Now, you're not hearing too much about it now because I think it's almost done. It's theatrical run, but there's also, um, oh, what was it? There's also um, some of the things that, you know, some of the lines that were in various movies recently that were kind of taken and said, oh, well, this is... They're just trying to preach to people. They're just trying to say things to kind of make people feel bad about slavery or about, you know, um, like transphobia and things of that nature. And it's it's rough. It's, it's, it's difficult. And then you have other sides where, on a conservative side of things, you have people who are putting out comic books and stuff that are claiming to be anti-SJW and anti-wokeism and all this other nonsense. And stating that hey you know we're we're the good guys over here we're we're the okay ones don't worry about those other black people we're you can trust us you know we won't we won't call you out on anything so it, it's this big it's this soup of gross that interjects itself into something you love and you know i'm not a big fan of football but i can kind of see how when you know colin kaepernick was taking the knee and black lives matter was kind of at an all-time you know, it was on the talking points of most news footage out there that people were like, hey, we just want to play football. We don't we don't really care about this stuff. It needs to be handled elsewhere. And, and you had people with who play football. You know, a good percent of the league is black, and players anyways. And even as you go higher up the chain, it gets a little less black. But still, there are, you know, on sun, Friday, Sunday, Saturday, and Sunday night, you'll see a majority of black players on the field, be it high school, college, or pro, and you can't be somebody who's just out there playing and not recognize, hey, I, I could be, I could have a, a family member pulled over, and they don't know that they're related to me as a, you know, a high-profile person, like LeBron James said this uh, forward for the LA, um, the LA Lakers, who said, Basically, he'll never see a jail cell. It's very unlikely that Jay-Z or Beyonce will ever see the, the, the business end of a, of a Glock pointed at their face on a police, you know, um, on a police check sp stop. But, at the end of the day, um, you have to, you have to understand and realize that you know, these people are people. And when they take their basketball uniforms off and whatever else, they're just, they're in their own skin. 
And so that that's kind of where the a large portion of that hate has been coming back, coming at the the um, comic book films and stuff. There's this feeling that there's a lot of preaching going on, and then there's just the spectacle. As uh, oh, I believe it was Martin Scorsese had made a comment a, a couple years ago that said that movies aren't tentpole. Movies are just tentpole spectacle now. It's there's nothing that is like the thinking man sort of or woman's um, cup of tea. It's all. We need to get as big as big of a CGI explosions. We need to go bigger, better, and splashier than the last movie. We need to spend more money. I believe the Fast and the Furious franchise, the new one, was clocked in at something like $300 million, something crazy. And so to even the level that you need to just break even, like let's say, for example, the, the new Flash film didn't cost $200 million with an extra... Um, 150 million dollars spend for advertising and marketing and tie-ins and all that stuff. Let's say they kept it modest and was like, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna bootstrap this thing, even though we can spend more money. We're gonna come in at, let's say, we're gonna pay all our all our talent, make sure they're covered, but we're gonna we're gonna cap it at like just under a hundred mil, right? Just under a hundred mil. Obviously, Ezra Miller, um, he's not. Or sorry, they aren't charging." Um, like 20 million a pitcher. I don't know how much Michael Keaton, Ben Affleck, uh, Gal Gadot pay for a few cameos or whatever, but you know, talent, you got to pay for talent to get the butts in the seats. But let's say they capped it at, they said, look, we're going to make this thing for 100 million and that's it. Or 50 mil or what? Just go, you know, just get creative. There's software now that rivals anything that George Lucas had when he was making Star Wars, when um, Gene Rottenberry was producing Star Trek, I mean, you're telling me you can't make a great engaging film for you have to spend 250 north of 300 million? It's insane. So, I mean, with these guys spending like drunken sailors on leave, you have higher expectations because the studios want that billion dollar hit, right? They want to make sure that they can go back to their investors and say, look, we made a billion dollars. We're in the billion dollar boys club. Disney's, um, you know, and Marvel have been able to do that with a lot of their films. And I don't believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think all of their films, if you divide them up, have grossed a billion plus. Even the bad ones, even the ones that aren't that well received, like Thor, The Dark World, and, and Ant-Man, you know, Quantum Mania. Like, they've, 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 done, they've done the numbers. And they've been able to bring home a nice, you know, a nice chunk of change for their executives. But the the going, the public is getting tired. The public is getting weary. They are getting uh, the, if I can even say this now, the Indians are at the door. You know, depending which you know Indians you're talking about. But uh, the, you know, they're circling the chuck wagons. And I I do believe that we're starting to see a decline. Now it's not the end, obviously. These characters have weathered wars and stock market crashes and financial havoc. And I think Marvel, actually, I know Marvel in 97 went bankrupt, which is why the Hulk is um, had its movie rights sent over to Universal. X-Men to Fox until Disney bought it back and, you know, brought them back in the fold. Spider-Man is done by Sony. So, so many of these characters that we know and love were kind of sold off. And all of their villains and the whole universes. So, and I, I think we we are seeing sort of a bit of a fatigue and a bit of a a feeling of we're getting the same thing over and over again. 
and it kind of reminds me of New Kids on the Block. Now you might think, what the hell does, what the hell does Marvel and DC and the failure of Shazam and all these other films have to do with New Kids on the Block? Well, back in the 80s, uh, really early 80s, uh, the boy band kind of craze was back. Um, we had the 70s, the 60s and 70s, I think, had the, the Beatles and they had the Monkees and there were all these kind of clean-cut, blue-eyed soul kind of bands. And it kind of died down for a little bit. And then these, these kind of scrappy kids from Boston, uh, I forget what part of Boston they're from, but they were, you know, white kids that could dance, sing, and rap, and... And, and I, to be honest with you, the dance moves are legit. Like, I mean, looking back, I was a jealous kid because uh, Sheila Hutskill, this girl that I really liked, was madly in love with uh, Jordan Knight. And I remember just hating them. But looking back now, as you know, as you get a bit older, you're like, damn, those, them white boys could move, I tell you, right? <laughs> I don't care if they're white, black, whatever. They could dance. They could sing. They had the ultimate package, right? And when, they, when New Kids on the Block Mania hit, or NKTOB, as they were called, it was insane like I don't think like in my era because I wasn't I was a little bit actually I was right around the same age uh, for the Michael Jackson stuff so New Kids on the Block Michael Jackson Madonna George Michaels Elton John in the 80s um, who else Bruce Springsteen it was just that era of mega concerts you know just fans going crazy and we didn't have the internet right we didn't have the internet there was no there was no um you know, streaming, you didn't have Spotify, it was, to get your music, it was literally, okay, it was MTV, you know, or much music in Canada, um, radio, you know, CD or cassette or disc, uh, CD, CD or cassette or vinyl, and that was it, and so you were starved to hear anything about the people that you cared about, and if you were like a young teen girl or a young gay boy, you loved Tiger Beat and Sweet 16 and 17 Magazine, and I don't know if those magazines are even around, probably have websites up and stuff, but that's what you, you know, what you were, were you crushing on the Lawrence Brothers, or were you, were you a Jordan or a, or a Bobby uh, type, you know, or Donnie or Mark or... So the new kids on the block were this this tidal wave of just marketing madness. And when I tell you they were on everything, I mean lunch boxes, t-shirts, book bags, um, school supplies, sh shoes, they had their own dolls. I remember there was a cartoon that we used to watch on Saturdays. They had their own cereal. Um, it was it was nuts. It was insane. And all this to say that when the, that machine started chugging to make that money, they put their names on everything. Well, what happens after you oversaturate a market when there's so much of something and it's really kind of everywhere? People start to get sick of it. People start to say, oh, oh, another New Kids on the Block song. Oh, this is a thermos with their, oh, a water jug. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And there's this feeling of... This is everywhere all the time all, all, all at once and we can't escape it and we're starting to get sick of it. Legit, like people people started to like not burn their CDs like the Dixie Chicks, but they they were hating on them. And it, you know, by the end of the 80s, hell, I would even say by 80 87, 86 87, they were like almost played out by the 90s they were done. 
you know, and they've had, some of them have had, you know, success. Um, thankfully, all the all of them are alive still. They've A lot of them turned to acting. I remember recently there was uh, New Kids on the Block, Backstreet Boys, and NSYNC. I, I don't know if NSYNC was a part of the tour, but it was kind of like a boy band's legacy, you know, throwback tour. So people, people my age in their late 30s, 40s, mid 40s, and 50s were like, oh my gosh. I haven't heard of these guys in years, and this nostalgia kicks in. So they had a moment, you know. And 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 as you look back on that time, you're like, yeah, it was it was it wasn't all that bad, you know. It was fun. It was lighthearted. It wasn't it wasn't too. You'd have to take things too serious, you know. And but people, but again, pe- people hated New Kids on the Block. They were everywhere. And I think this is where the you know the comic book genre is right now. It's at a place where it's everywhere. It's ubiquitous. We can't, you can't really escape it. If in the last, if I can be honest, in the last 10 years, we've had no less than two to three superhero themed movies from any name of studio and TV shows and streaming services and, and merchandising on top of that and all the fervor. And then let's, let's even look at the, the YA stuff that's kind of superhero adjacent. So like... Mocking, um, oh, what was it called? The Mockingjay, um, Mockingbird or Mockingjay, uh, with Chris, um, Jennifer Lawrence. She was a part of that sort of trilogy, and then there was Divergence, and then you had, you know, the Harry Potter stuff, and and other sort of franchises that were like that kind of fed into that. Um, there's just so many to name, and people long for something of substance. Now, again, I'm not saying that. What Martin, Scorsese, what Martin Scorsese said was right, but he had a point. You don't see movies like The Hunt for Red October, The Fugitive, or um, what else? Uh, like, you know, of oh, what's that other one? Uh, Mice and Men, or One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Movies that inspire us to think. The capes and the tights and the flights are all great. Don't get me wrong. I love superpowers and lifting buildings and, you know, multiverse madness and, you know, Doctor Strange and all of it. I, I really do. I'm, I'm in like a pig in a hog pen, just rolling in the muck. But every now and again, you're like, damn, I wouldn't mind, you know, a psycho- psycholog- psychological thriller. I wouldn't mind something that makes you think a little bit. The English Patient or, you know, Shakespeare in Love or something that's a little bit off the beaten path. Don't get me wrong, you could... Like, I love laughing all the time, but you can't laugh all the time. Sometimes, you know, shit gets real. You got to handle business. You got to take care of what you got to take care of. And what the superhero genre, as far as I'm concerned, and I wrote a blog post about this. I'll be posting this probably tomorrow or tonight or tomorrow morning. Uh, But there needs to be almost a retraction, pulling back. You don't have to take all the money on the table. My mother, God rest her soul, would always say, you don't have to take everything people give you. That could be money, that could be love, that could be attention. You could, you could, you, could, you know, be the fly bitch a little bit and be like, yo, I, I, don't, I don't need you, you need me. Kind of <laughs> you, don't have to, you don't have to be seen everywhere all the time. Make people wonder, oh, what happened to, what happened to this person? Are they still acting? Oh my gosh, let me look them up. A great example of that is an artist named Sade. Sade drops an album every 10 years and looks the same. I swear, I think she's a vampire. But, like, she had Soldier of Love back in 2000, I want to say 9 or 10. And I think she had 
another album recently. But she, you can't find her. No social media. I, I don't. I haven't checked that for sure. But I'm, she's not trending. You know, she's not. She's not an attention seeker. She's. She creates her art. Has her fans. She. They know what to expect from her, and they love it. And they have this great relationship. But she's not all in the videos, like Suge Knight said, um, at the Source Awards in the '90s. It's not everywhere all at once. And I think there's a message there in that absence does make the heart grow fonder. Because let's look at Spider-Verse, Into the Spider-Verse. The last film of that of uh, that franchise came out in 2018, if I'm not mistaken. 2018, in the winter of 2018 to 2019. And because of the pandemic and everything kind of slowing up, it had to... It stopped, you know. And when it dropped this, this spring, well, this June... People were were there for it. They didn't they didn't forget about it. It it it's such a good film from what people are telling me because I haven't seen it yet. That the writing, the direction, the visuals, the storyline, the connection with these characters has only grown stronger because we haven't seen him, uh, Miles Morales and Gwen Stacy, and his dad and his mom and you know. And Ben Riley and all the Spider-Man from all the Spider-Verse, we haven't seen them in over five years. I think 18, 19, 20. Yeah, like five years. And so there's such a panic within Hollywood and within the arts to, you know, specifically. And I, I did a podcast about this a few years ago where I talked about we're living at the speed of the internet. And we just psychologically, physiologically, Mentally, we cannot do that. We are not hardwired to exist at a 24-7, 365 rate of consuming content every day, all day. We can't, we as people, we as individuals, we as a society are not built to take in a fire hose of information when prior to the last 20 years before the, you know, the internet and the 24-hour news cycle, we were getting information at a, at a, like a a cup at a time, not at 45 gallons shot at your face every day, all day. Think about it. When was the last time something news broke and we actually sat with it? Like, oh my gosh, um, a, a ship sank off the coast of Greece and all of these migrants were, you know, presumed to have passed. Oh my gosh, a submarine, you know crashed and and you know all these billionaires passed away all oh, the war in ukraine oh uh, afghanistan people are still doing this and oh this director said that and blah 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 and it's like if you plug in and i kid you not if you plug into youtube instagram facebook twitter um tiktok now threads which is a new kind of twitter-like clone that uh meta the metaverse uh, facebook has put out you'll lose your mind You will literally lose your mind. You will not be able to keep up with everything. You will enjoy the stuff that you have so much less. And you'll look at the things that you have and think, oh, well, this isn't, I don't, I barely have anything. When you'll realize you have more than you need. I'm looking at my studio right now. As I've said before, I've got posters on the wall. I've got, I've got a shelf full of, of uh, hard, you know, omnibus comic books. I've got a fairly good collection of dvds and and books and stuff like that and there's um i've been i've been working with uh with a friend we're, we're kind of we're, we're, some things are in the works 
for something that um, I'll hopefully be able to reveal closer to the end of summer. But it's very exciting for the Marketplace of Ideas. And it consists of a lot of physical media and a lot of books and a lot of magazines and stuff like that. And I'll go online just checking stuff out and people selling certain things. And there's this deluge of just stuff that people don't want. And they've bought these trinkets and these these um, tchotchkes and these things and they've worn out their use. Like, I'm a drum, like, I love to play the drums and I haven't in a couple of years because I, I wasn't, I'm not playing with my church anymore and we've kind of switched churches when we moved and, and I'd like to start playing again. So I'll go on Facebook Marketplace and see, hey, what's a, how many drum kits are out there? And there's no need to worry. There's plenty of drum kits out there. Or if you want to learn the guitar or the keyboard or punching bags, anything that people start around Christmas or the summer and then it just becomes too hard and they don't have a love for it, you can get it for 75% off. Hell, some of this stuff, I kid you not, my friend and I, uh, a few years ago, when I was working at Nate with him, uh, we were looking for stuff for my, uh, when I was living at home, my parents, I was looking for stuff to just spruce up the basement right before, it was like a couple years before I moved out and I, I didn't have a lot of stuff and so we put, <laughs> we put in, um, in the interwebs where we worked and just said, hey, broke student looking for stuff, we'll take anything from chairs to, you know, glasses to plates, whatever. And so we got, we, we hit, well, a lady hit us up and said, hey, I've got some stuff in my garage if you guys want to come with your truck. And my friend had a truck at the time, so we get there. And I kid you not, she opens up the garage and it's like an episode of Hoarders. We're like, where do you walk through here? This is insane. Like, they had glasses from the Olympics and and from the Expos and there were cups and plates and and chairs. It was insane. And then and then she says, "Hey, I got more stuff in the basement if you want." And we're like, "Nah, we're we're good. We're, you know." So there's this feeling that we need to be connected to everything. We need to have this almost insatiable attitude to continually grow, 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 grow. Buy, 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 buy. Spend, spend, spend. Hoard, hoard, hoard. It's never enough. You have something that I want, and I want to get it. And when we transfer that over to the internet, when we transfer that over to movies, when we transfer that over to our just our online lives and stuff we're doing, we're going to reach a point where we, we don't have any more space. The RAM is full. You got to clear some crap out. It's like you can't continue to live at this pace that the the movie industry, particularly with superhero genre, with the superhero genre, is going. You can't do it, and pretty soon people get exhausted. I love this stuff, and I didn't go to see uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. My wife saw it. She said it was you're better off. Don't waste your time, right? I didn't. I haven't gone to see Into the Spider Verse yet. I didn't go into. The, I haven't even seen Black Widow yet. Um, I, I did see the multiverse of madness. I really liked that one. I saw guardians of the galaxy part three. That was really awesome. I saw super Mario brothers. I, I can't wait till that comes out on DVD. That that's just such a, a fun movie. Um, but I Sonic the hedgehog. I think I saw the second one. I, I haven't seen the new ones that came out uh, at the start of the pandemic. And then there's all the streaming shows. If you have Amazon Plus or Netflix or Hulu or Crave or Peacock or HBO Max now. And and then there's all the YouTube stuff. You know, if you watch YouTube or you, you know, you're on social media. 
And then all of that is dug into your real life. If you have a wife or kids or, you know, or family or job, God forbid, right? Or you, you know, where, like, where do you find the time to watch all this stuff? And so if you're trying to exist in a space like the superhero genre is where just give them more, 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 it's not going to work. They need to take a page out of shot A, chill down, you know, be a smooth operator, you know, um, and, and let people miss you for a little bit. There's something kind of nice about going off grid, turning off your phone. Like people don't need to be in contact with that. I know this is a little bit of a tangent here, but I think it, it plays into this broader narrative that right now in 2023, it is possible if you have access to, you know, reliable, um, high speed internet to add a click of maybe two to three clicks at most, unless you have an app to get as much porn, gambling, um, poetry, YouTube channels of people popping pimples and picking noses. Hell, I fell down a rabbit hole of watching people shear sheep and, and like carve out hoofs of, of cows that have been, that have abscesses in them and then watching the pus come out. I mean, that was, I, I, I spent a good 20, 30 minutes on that and I was like, what the hell? I'm going outside. Right? This was, you know, after I picked up the kids from school and everything. And, it, and so if you have this mentality, which the studios have, because, hell, they got to make their money and they got to pay back their investors and, you know, they got to be on everything, you will get burnout, superhero fatigue, um, new kids on the block, fatigue, whatever. And it won't be fun. It won't be enjoyable. And so I think even from a, a, a like a moviegoer's perspective, it's okay to not be up on the latest. Completely honest, sometimes it's actually better. Everybody's going to like, we're, we're like little lemmings, you know, that are, oh, something happened over there. Okay, let's check it out. Oh, something happened over there. Oh, something happened over there. And it's, it's kind of nice to just sit, put on a movie that no one's talked about in 5 to 20 years, maybe write a blog post about it, do a podcast episode that no one's talking about, I follow a lot of uh, physical media guys on online, and and these are people that they they love uh, various stuff that's not as popular within the zeitgeist of uh, pop culture. And so, I think the great thing is you can just go at your own pace. If you really fall uh, fallen in love with a type of music or a type of instrument, just dive deep into that. There's nothing wrong with not having to be the first on everything and the, and the first person to do this, and the first person to do that, you can, you can say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my time. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to listen to these three albums. I'm going to read these three books. Um, I'm listening to these three podcasts and that's it. And have the courage to kind of live at your own pace. And I think that's kind of where I want to end it because... I, you know, I could just be circling this wagon and beating this dead horse for forever, but it's something that I've noticed in particular within myself, within family, that it's okay. And maybe, you know, the studios would need to hear this as well. I mean, I'm sure maybe they're more, more susceptible to it now that their films are tanking. But not every superhero needs to have a movie. Not every book needs to be adapted into a, a, a streaming service on Amazon or Disney Plus or whatever. Sometimes books just need to stay within 
confines of, hey, this is a really good book. And I remember listening to Jay-Z talk about this on The Breakfast Club back in 2013 when he was still like, you know, I don't think he was a billionaire yet, but he was still doing interviews and all this. And he mentioned that he doesn't move at the pace of other people. And when you are secure in yourself, secure in what you can do and how you can help people and what you like and who you are as a person, you don't have to be up on everything that's out there. And that's that, that's the amazing and wonderful part about the internet right now is that you can you can say oh you love uh, cooking awesome okay well you can fall into these cooking channels and really help to serve your family nutritious meals or oh you're into you're into rollerblading awesome rollerblading has kind of fallen out of vogue but hey you know there's a there's a community for it or film noir stuff or um, you know juicing or winemaking whatever it is and I think at the end of the day. The people are, are, are speaking, and you have to listen, as they did with New Kids on the Block and every other trendy artist that came out back in the day, is that, you know what, not everybody needs to be listening to everything all at once. And I, I do this with my podcast. I know for a fact there are some people that don't care for pop culture and, you know, the arts and all that kind of stuff. They're into other things. And so my podcast will just get, you know, they're not listening. Cool. But there are other people that might, that have maybe the same interests or or what have you. So they might tune in. And there's a lot of podcasts I listen to where, you know, one is about, um, I, there's one called Consenting Adults, which ta- which is a, which is a really interesting one about um, various uh, communities within the, um, uh, the bull slash unicorn slash all of these sort of different sexual polyamorous sort of communities, cultures, or whatever. It's interesting because growing up, you never heard about any of this sort of stuff. Uh, the ballroom culture within the black LGBTQ plus community, which was, which long predates the civil rights movement. And because of my, you know, evangelical upbringing, that wasn't even thought of, particularly within the Caribbean community, because, hey, like, it's very homophobic there. So my parents would never have uh, exposed us to any of that kind of stuff, even though there were some amazing people who did, you know, great things for um, black rights, for LGBTQ plus rights at Stonewall, um, the Stonewall riots that people celebrate during Pride Month. There's, and so there is this feeling that Hollywood needs to really sit down and, and think like the public doesn't necessarily need everything all the time. And there's some things that can take a little while, and that's okay. And hey, if, if, if the next Superman movie isn't until another five years from now, okay. Why the rush, you know? The rush to just lose more money? Because um, the list is pretty... It's, it's pretty staggering how much money. Um, I'll just list that real quick before we go. Oh, I forgot about the Barbie film, too, that's coming out. Damn. Even Barbie. So, um... Just with the DC Warner Brothers studio alone. So they've lost, um, since the pandemic, they've lost $200 million with The Flash, $150 with Shazam, $137 million with Wonder Woman 84. Uh, the Suicide Squad, the last one, lost $130 million. Black Adam was $100 million. So when you add that up, what's that? It's 230, 230, 360, 
seven. They've all, oh my gosh, they've almost lost a billion dollars in the last couple of films that they've they've put out there. That's just DC alone. We're not talking about some of the other biggest blunders in history or Howard the Duck. You need to look that up. But I'm t- uh, so again, you know, will Hollywood listen? Who knows? Will um, the general public has definitely spoken, and they ain't having it. They are not having it. So, yeah, you know, thanks for listening. Once again, hopefully this added some, uh, some, some, some value to your day. Like I said, it is uh, September the 9th today, and I want to thank you for listening. Thank you if you're out there. Um, we, you, can, you can catch us, the Marketplace of Ideas podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from. Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, you name it. We are there, rocking and rolling. I want to thank you once again. Uh, my co-host Phoenix is just napping. You know, she's uh, had a snack, so she's good. But until next time, take care, be good to one another, and have a better day. Peace. <laughs>